women are seen a certain way in the whole Bengali culture. So they are supposed to do certain things, be a certain way. And the reality was that I didn't want to be that. I just didn't want to be that. So. That's Ermi Hossein talking about the friction of being Italian by birth and Bengali by blood. Born and raised in Italy to immigrant parents from Bangladesh, Ermi grew up at the center of a clash between Italian culture, strict Muslim parenting, and a society that wanted to categorize her one way or another. You know that tendency we all sometimes have where we want to define someone's cultural identity with one convenient hyphenated label? Well, it's not always that simple. And on this episode, Ermi explains why it can also be a problem. She tells us about her ongoing journey of breaking out of a single cultural box and how her writing and mentoring helps others do the same. Welcome to The Breakout, a show about smashing through life's little boxes and forging your own path. I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. And I'm Kelly Gunther. Carrie and I are people and change experts and best friends. We've spent more than 25 years helping organizations navigate change and get the best out of their people. Come on, we know change is hard, but staying the same can even be harder. On The Breakout, we prove that you can escape expectations, and best of all, we show you how. Welcome, Ermi. We're so excited that you're here. So what did you break out of? My breakout is related to not letting society define my cultural identity. Oh, I cannot wait to talk more about this. I love having those discussions. So why don't you just start with telling us about your life as a Bengali Italian? I was uh, born in Italy and I grew up my whole life in Italy. And my parents are from Bangladesh. So for a big uh, chunk of my life I I would say more when I became a teenager but I think it became more like a struggle later on during my life was that I never felt like I was fitting any of the two cultures so I never felt I was Bengali enough I never felt I was Italian enough I was very conscious of my surroundings I was very conscious of the way I looked I was very conscious about the way I dressed the way I spoke and because of that, I struggle a little bit in finding my cultural identity. And when I would be around my Italian friends, uh, they would tell me, no, you're Italian because you're born here, you, you, you grew up here. But I knew that it wasn't true. It wasn't true because I, I did not look like them. My blood was not Italian. And then when I was around the Bengali community, they would say, like, you're Bengali. But I also did not agree with them either mm. because I felt like the fact that I was born in Italy, the fact that I was just living my life in Italy had an influence to the fact that I did not feel I was fully Bengali either. So there was always like an, an internal conflict when it came to that. And I think this became a little bit more pronounced when I moved to Canada and people would always ask me like, where are you from? And I always struggle in giving one single answer. I think a lot of people can just say, you know, I'm from here. But I felt like I could never say that. 
I've heard that from so many people who have this kind of two worlds. And so what was challenging about integrating into the Italian culture when you felt that you were othered? I think the challenging part was that I always had to explain myself. I had to explain myself to like why I can't do certain things, why I cannot wear certain stuff, why I cannot eat certain things. It was a continuous thing where I had to like explain myself to people. And I also tried to be understanding in terms of that because I also know that even for the Italian community was something relatively new as well. Like when I went to school, I was the only person from Bangladesh, for instance. There was not that many immigrant kids. We were like probably like 5% of the whole like demographics at school. And so even for them was a learning process. But I also accepted the fact that they were like very open to learn and they were very curious to learn about my culture. But I struggled a lot because my parents were always afraid that I would let go of the Bengali side and turn into more like an Italian person. So there was things like, you know, going on a school trip for, for, for five days I couldn't do. And my my friends were always like, oh, but how come you cannot come? What's the issue with that? And I, I never had an answer, you know? It's like, this is how they are and they're not letting me go. So it, that was the biggest challenge for me. Yeah. How did you manage through that that challenge when you were in these two worlds? My biggest problem was that I always accepted things the way they were. This is how it is. I mean, I just have to live with it because I, I had this many restrictions that at some point I was like, you know what? I wish I was not like, like, I wish I was not Bengali. That's what I said to myself. And I know it's harsh to say. And it really took a while for me to accept it and be able to embrace both cultures. But I, there was a point where I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be associated to this because it's just like we can't do anything. And there is a little bit of double standards, too, because like women are seen a certain way in the whole Bengali culture. So they are supposed to do certain things, be a certain way. And the reality was that I didn't want to be that. I just didn't want to be that. So. Yeah, you were breaking out already of just even the gender, <laughs> the gender piece. What were what were some of the other kind of bigger the clashes between the Italian culture and the Bengali culture? From the religion point of view, there, it was probably one of the major ones because Italy is very like Catholic country, whereas mm -hmm. Bengalis are mainly Muslim. So there was a big conflict in that. Even in the things like that I could eat, I always had to be super careful. Like I always had to ask, okay, is there like pork in it? Is there like alcohol in, in these things? You know, I always had to make sure of these things and I had to always be vocal about this. That was one thing. The other thing was also with the way I, I dress. Like um, I dress pretty modestly, but I know that like my friends that would wear like dresses, skirts, whereas I was not allowed to show like any part of my body. So that was another struggle. This was from like the religion point of view. Then the other struggle was like who you were hanging out with. Like my parents were very strict with don't hang out with boys, don't party too much. I don't want you to like go to your friend's house too late. I would never was allowed to do any sleepover, honestly, because there was that fear that I was going to get brainwashed. There was a fear that I would could turn into a rebel. Uh, there was a fear that there were probably boys in, in the room or in my friend's house. So every time I was asked this single questions from my parents, like, who's going to be there? What are you going to do? First of all, I never went out that much. I, I was not that 
type of person who would go on a club or I never went yeah. to a club. <laughs> I never went to a club. And like, even when I would go to my friend's house, I had to be back home by seven. And uh, my friends were allowed to, you know, date, bring their boyfriends at home. For me, it was like a big, no, there is no way you're doing any of these things before getting married. Those were a lot of like challenging things for me. If your parents were so concerned about you becoming Italian, why were they in Italy? Did they want you to integrate into Italian or was it, we're in Italy, but like, don't be Italian. You need to be Bengali 100%. Yeah, they were in Italy because they wanted a better life for me and for my sister, right? And I think this applies to any single Bengali family, but I think it applies to any single immigrant family. It's like, Mm -hmm. yes, we're moving from our native country, but we still want to keep our roots. You know what I mean? And I do see it a lot with, especially in Canada, when I see a lot of like Greek families, uh, Portuguese families uh, or Chinese families, like they move here, but they still keep their cultures. And I think that was the goal of my parents. You're so right. It's such the immigrant struggle of you're trying to protect your culture, but you're in an environment that's not that culture anymore. And who kind of feels it the most are like you as a teenager trying to balance this. And that's really, really tough. You talked about your parents defining your identity. That was straight up Bengali. How did other people try to define your identity? It always depends on like who I was spending my time with. So according to my Italian friends, I am Italian. Italians with Bengali origins. Uh, But then when I moved to Canada, um, it was different because people who were like from neighborhood countries of Bangladesh, like Pakistan or India, they would automatically define me Bengali. Mm. And whereas other people who are not from those countries, but let's say they were from Europe, they would automatically define me Italian. (laughs) So fascinating. So it really, it, it always depending with who I was speaking with. Yo, Kelly and I don't get questioned a lot where you're from. And there's a difference of the curiosity, like, oh my God, tell me your background, which I do love to hear everyone. I love everyone's origin story, but I always have to watch how I say it because I don't mean it the way the uh, insurrectionists mean it, which is where are you from? You know what I mean? There's a like that. And Kelly and I have never had to have that right? We're, we're white women and we're in America. And so people don't really like ask us that. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen people be othered and I didn't like the way that looked. And so I would often kind of want to rush to their defense and, you know, fight for them because I could see the pain and the hurt that being ostracized had on, on folks. So Yes, I grew up in a predominantly suburban white community, but it wasn't always that way. And so hearing her story, I could feel for her. And while I can't put myself in that exact same situation, I can appreciate what that must feel like. When you entered the workforce and started in finance, did your cultural background have an effect on your presence and identity in the workplace? I want to say no. Like, I never felt like anyone was seeing me differently. But I liked being different because I feel like I was 
representing diversity, like me being a yeah. woman and me being a woman who's um, Bengali Italian. Yeah. So I like that. I like that because I felt like I'm representing what I wish I've seen when I was growing up. Because when I was mm. growing up, I was I did, I never saw diversity starting from a young age. I wish I had like a mentor. I wish I had, I had someone much older than me who was like me, who could help me a little bit. I never had that. But now that I am much older and working, I'm happy that I am doing this for the younger people because I also mentor. So some of the connection that I had with other people were people, let's say, from Pakistan. And I had people reaching out to me because they're like, I want to have the perspective of someone who has the same cultural background as me. So that had a, a very positive impact. And I'm happy to represent the diversity. Yeah, that representation and being able to see, and because you have such a unique background of Italian and Bengali and being a female and now living in Canada, you just, people can see you and go, I can do it too. So you mentioned when you were a teenager, you had, ugh, I, I'm Bengali, there's a lot of restrictions, a lot of restrictions. So when did you start to kind of integrate both of those instead of identifying with I'm Bengali or I'm Italian. How did you start to kind of blend that? What was that process like? So I think it came like really late in life, <laughs> like really late. Uh, I think it started around when I was probably 27. So we're talking about a few years ago. And it was just a lot of reflection that I was doing, a lot of thinking about myself and and I was trying to more pinpoint the things that I was doing that consisted of both of the cultures. Like mm. one of the things that I can tell you is that I love eating pasta. Like pasta is my life. I love eating <laughs> pasta. It's so much more than Bengali food. And that was one thing that like helped me to reflect a little bit because I was like, even when I was growing up in Italy, I would always complain to my mom. I was like, I want to eat pasta. I don't want to eat curry. I don't want to eat rice. I want to eat pasta. And so I feel like I brought that Italian side at home. So that was one thing. The second thing was the, the, the language we used to speak at home. So I speak Italian with my sister and with my cousins as well. And so I brought it at home. Like we, mm. we don't speak Bengali. We speak Italian to communicate with each other. Whereas with my parents, I speak Bengali, but I brought it at home. I also use a lot of hand gestures and I'm trying to hide them right now. And no, so, keep it going. We love no, hand no, gestures. No, I always feel like it, I always feel very conscious when I'm using my hands because everyone points it out, but you know, it comes automatically. <laughs> um, so I like, I use a lot my hand gestures and I also felt like I'm very much Italian when I am with my Italian friends and I'm, I feel like there is my Italian side coming out of me when I'm speaking Italian. So those things made me reflect that, you know what, like, it's like they helped me to bring towards this path. And at the same time, I was, I was also reflecting on my, on the Bengali side. And I was like, you know, I'm still Bengali by blood. I cannot change who I am. I cannot like get rid of it. And so I tried to see this more from a positive aspect. And I was like, okay, let's think about what the Bengali culture 
can offer you know like at some point in my life I was like I don't want to be Bengali but it does have beautiful things you know we have beautiful clothes we have good food as much as I still enjoy pasta <laughs> <laughs> we have you know good like tradition and stuff like that so I, th- I started to see that more like as a positive thing and I was like you know what like the fact that I'm able to be both things, it's more of a strength and it's more of a unique strength. That's how I see it. Like if I was just Italian, I, I'm only giving you one perspective about things. But now I'm giving you two different perspectives and probably the fusion of them, it's another perspective. And that's how I try to see it. So that's how I came to like embrace both of them. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Of the, I have not just one perspective, two perspectives, three perspectives. Like you bring so much more to the table, right? With three different perspectives versus one. When you start to integrate it, how did it change your sense of self? You know, I feel a bit more at peace with myself because I feel like it was a big struggle. It was just a struggle that I was fighting. And I felt like sometimes I was not being understood, even though I would speak with people that probably shared my same, let's say, background. I felt like I was not always 100% understood what I was trying to convey. And the fact that I was able to accept that and, you know, define myself, I feel like it brought me a lot of peace. And I feel very convinced of what I say. Definitely a lot of empowerment because I truly stand for my identity. And I feel like the fact that I feel so much more empowered. I'm able to um, transfer that in the work that I do. Like I'm much more confident also in like standing up for myself, saying the things I want to say, doing the things I want to do. So maybe a couple of years ago, I was like not as much, you know, secure of what I wanted to say and do. But now I'm like, I feel much more empowered. And I feel like it shows with the work that I do. And even the fact that I speak about it, like I don't think a couple of years ago I would have ever spoken about this struggle because I felt like probably I'm the only one going through this. No one else is going through this. But you know what? When you are like in social media and you are part of of the right groups, you see that there are people like you going through the same struggle. So it made me feel like, you know, I am not abnormal. It's okay to go through this, and it's nice to see that you belong to something when you see people like you. We'll get back to the interview after this quick break. The Breakout comes to you from Abraci Group. We offer coaching and consulting to help you dig into change. Here's what we know. Only about 10% of us are really self-aware. Without self-awareness, improvement is tough because if you don't know what box you're in, you can't break out of it. That's where we come in. We've got a soft spot for people itching to forge a fresh path, the high flyers who need to be nudged out of career ruts, teams who are looking to become more aligned, and yes, even those bold souls who've occasionally worn the jerk badge. Connect with us at abracigroup.com. First of all, congratulations for being a kick-ass female and using your voice and being empowered. And that's awesome because we need uh, a million more females, two million, three million more females to, to feel their voice and own their identity. And so when you think about, because you're not abnormal and there's so many people <laughs> with different backgrounds, right? And just dad's from here, mom's from here, my mom's from here, my other mom's from here, whatever that is. Why do you think it's so difficult to find their identity and start to feel the strength that you feel now and empowered and a sense of peace? 
You know why it's a it's a struggle? Because I think there are so many external factors that influence a little bit who you are. Like mm. it's like you said, you grew up in one place, but you are born in a different place. Then you move to another place. So that's one factor, right? Then there is the religion. Then there is the language that you speak. There is there are the people that you hang out with. Also, where your parents are from, that has an impact too. So I think because of that, a lot of people really struggle in finding their identity. And I also feel like a lot of people don't question it even as much because they're like, okay, if I'm born here, I'm just automatically that. But really, I don't think it's always that straightforward because I had a conversation with someone. It's one of my friends who is Iranian, but he lived a little bit in Italy and he now is living in the States. Even though he lived in Italy for 10 years and most of his life he lived in America, when I speak to him, I see a big Italian side of him coming out. And I asked him, like, do you consider yourself Italian at some point? He's like, no. But then when we had another conversation, it made him think that probably he does feel a little bit Italian. And I can, I can sense it in the conversation that we have. But I think like there's all these factors that impact a little bit your identity and also the people that you spend time with. Like when I was growing up in Italy, I only had Italian friends. But when I moved to Canada, all my friends were from like different backgrounds. Like I had a very diverse circle of friends. And I think that has also helped me to come up with an answer for myself. I feel like if you just hang out with Bengali people, you only think that you're just Bengali. And I can see that with some of my friends. So there are all these things that play. And that's why I think sometimes people are so confused. And so you have to like find a way to get an answer. Yeah. I was just thinking Kelly and I are writing this book on breaking out of expectations. And you pretty much did everything that we say in the book. So like, what are those expectations that you have? Which expectations serve you? Which don't serve you anymore? How do you integrate them? Who supports you? Like, you're a case study, Ermi. Thank you. Like, you just did the entire thing. <laughs> Were you thinking that, Kelly? I'm like, she's exactly what we talk about in the book of like, what you need to do. She did it. I feel like if when you flip the the cover, it should be Ermi's face. Actually, it should, it should be, be her <laughs> our poster child for success. Our poster. Looks like exactly, exactly. And that's a great segue because Ermi, you've written a book as well on understanding intercultural identity. It's called "Discovering Your Identity: A Rebirth from Interracial Struggle." And you continue to publish content on YouTube, and you're also a blogger. So tell us a little bit about your book and the other writing that you do, and what kind of inspires and motivates you. So my book is called Discovering Your Identity, A Rebirth from Interracial Struggle. And basically, the book is about me being a tour culture kid and talking about my life in Italy as a South Asian woman. And I do like a comparison between the two cultures. So it's more like a memoir because I talk about religion. I talk about the people I hang out with. And then, of course, I have a YouTube channel and I have also a blog. And I, I am also a big advocate for women's empowerment. And I think the fact that I, I wanted to be an advocate for this, it does stem from the fact that I felt like things were not always equal for me. You know, it's like, I feel like if I was a boy, things would have been much easier, probably linear. And the fact that I'm a woman, I feel like it's always such a struggle and I see it, especially in the South Asian community. So I wanted to 
you know, be a voice for the other uh, women. And so that's why I started to advocate for this. And I am part of different organization. One is called Women in Leadership. And it's an organization in Canada. And the goal is just to empower women and to encourage them to take on more leadership roles, to be more ambitious, to be unapologetic. So I we try to help them as much as possible. And one of the big things that I, I like to do is to be a mentor. So I am a mentor for several organizations, and one of them is called 100 Women in Finance, and I basically mentor young talents, uh, especially female who want to work and study in finance. And this is something that I very much enjoy because I feel like I'm able to build genuine connection with people. And the people I mentor are Gen Z, so I can see the difference between the because uh, I'm a millennial, so I see the difference in the generation. So it's so nice. But at the same time, I also like, because I see that the, the young people that I'm mentoring, they're very, very ambitious, very, very ambitious. So I'm like, you know what? I, I want to help you to achieve those dreams. So I very much enjoy doing that. And I think my main drive and motivation just comes from me wanting to, to change the world to be that role model I was not able to have when I was growing up. So that's uh, that's where it's all coming from. Well, you can definitely hear the passion and enthusiasm for the work that you're doing as a, an advocate for women. And I think it's so wonderful that, again, you have this duality in, in terms of your identity and that you've done the hard work to really understand what makes it difficult for you. And you've come to appreciate the elements of who you are as a total person. So kudos to you, Ermi, for helping women see parts of themselves that I'm sure they want to be able to see. And you're in finance, too, and you don't often see that kind of profile. So I love that you're helping um, in that perspective, too. That's amazing. So what wisdom or advice do you have for people who are in environments similar to what you found yourself in that make it challenging to embrace their cultural identities? Okay, first of all, you're not alone and you're not abnormal. Mm. That's like, I want to make sure this is engraved. <laughs> it's like, it's engraved somewhere that <laughs> they know this. Um, and it's very normal to go to this kind of struggle. And some of the things that I did personally, and I think this is what can be beneficial, is definitely have open dialogues with trusted people who are non-judgmental. You definitely need that. You need that unbiased view because sometimes I feel like if you speak about certain things, like if I would speak about certain things to Bengali people, I would always be judged. So to have open and honest dialogue with trusted people. The second thing is to join communities with people like you. That definitely gives you that sense of belonging. And the third thing is to find uh, like groups on social media, like whether it's on Facebook or Instagram, or also follow pages on Instagram of people like you. Because that's what I did at some point. I was like scrolling over some pages and I saw someone who struggled a little bit like me when she, she was asked, where are you from? And so that, again, it gives you that sense of community, the sense of belonging. And I highly recommend these are some of the things that people should do. And it also takes a lot of time to find your identity. But it, it's good that you, you start questioning it, like start the process and find your answer at the end of this, you know, long, long process. 
And I think you're such a great role model and like really a profile and courage of what it looks like when you do find your identity, because nothing worthwhile is easy, I think is the expression. And so when you're willing to put forth the effort and you have your support system and you find your resources, great things can happen. So Ermi, one last question for you. You know, you have one minute with someone, okay? One minute with someone who's stuck. They want to break out just as you did. What do you tell them? Okay, so there is a quotation that says, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And I think I would, I would definitely say that I think that a lot of uh, growth comes when you challenge the status quo. And a lot of growth comes when you're embracing the uncomfortable. And I've seen that with myself. And the beautiful thing about embracing being uncomfortable is that once you embrace it and you learn and you grow, grow from it, there is a huge, huge, huge transformation and evolution in yourself. So that would be my one minute breakout <laughs> sentence. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think that's probably the most succinct one yet. And that's like a total mic drop moment, Ermi. Thank you so much. Well done. That's why she's the case study of our book, Kelly. (laughs) Exactly. Hello. That was beautiful at the end. And I'm so excited that you are mentoring and helping women everywhere use their voices. And for those of you in Canada, that Women in Leadership program that you're with is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And just thank you for all you're doing to help women. You can tell she's at peace with who she is. I mean, I could feel a little of the energy, the nervous energy about her talking about her childhood and the being home at seven and the push-pull. And as we continued throughout the conversation, you could feel like more of a peaceful, calming sense of her really coming into herself as she told more of her story. So I could feel the energy shift a little bit. She really appreciates the cultures that she has lived in and she's found a way to appreciate both. And so she didn't have to divorce one. Exactly. I think that what's so beautiful about her story and why we do our podcast and what Kelly and I, our journey has been, is once you know yourself and you're okay with who you are, you've integrated what you need to integrate, you've let go of what you need to let go, then you can mentor others and help others and be at peace. Kelly said it so beautifully. She's just at peace with herself. However, her poor mother, I'm sorry, you have no, you can't win a war in food when you're going up against pasta. Like I'm just saying, pasta for the win. Pasta for the win all day. You might as well just say, you know what, like that's part of this we can all embrace. (laughs) (laughs) That was our conversation with Ermi Hossein, author, mentor, and cultural box breaker. And this is The Breakout from Abrachi Group. At Abrachi Group, we specialize in coaching and consulting for brave new directions. Connect with us at abrachigroup.com. And don't forget to subscribe to The Breakout so you never miss a new episode. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Breakout Pod. I'm Kelly Gunther. And I'm Dr. Carrie Ulrich. See you next time.